0: Hi, welcome to another episode of Soap from the Box Season 2. It's the ultimate TV podcast where we go behind the scenes of some of the UK's biggest shows. EastEnders, Coronation Street, Emmerdale, Hollyoaks and not forgetting Australia's very own Neighbours and Home and Away. I'm Lee Salisbury. I directed some of those shows for over 10 years and on this podcast I speak to some of the biggest stars of those shows and this season there are two episodes every week so make sure you check out the other one after this but my guest today was part of a huge groundbreaking story in Emmerdale. She's also really lovely. Enjoy! Born in Dorset, my next guest has appeared in Judge John Deed in Casualty, New Tricks, Midsummer Murders and Reformed, The Railway Children, actually kind of on the railway in London. But she is most famous to all of us, for you listening, for playing Maya Stepney, the teacher who groomed Jacob in Emmerdale. She won Best Bad Girl at the Soap Awards, but in real life, she couldn't be lovelier. Please welcome Louisa Klein. Hi, Louisa. Hi.
1: Hi. Hi, Lee. Nice to see you.
0: And you, or hear you, because obviously we're hear not you a exactly. thing. But um, I mean, well, firstly, winning Best Bad Girl when you went in—I mean, that's quite cool, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we'll get to the serious story. It's a very serious storyline, but it must be great yeah. to win an award when you're in something kind oh of short period. I think it's
1: one of the only awards I've ever won, actually, and it was—I um, was—I was really proud of proud of it because it felt like a sort of recognition that we told the story well and that people really went with it because it was a—it was a controversial story and it was quite a big risk that Emma Dale took in telling the story and telling the story the way they did and the fact that people went with the story invested in the story really took a disliking to the character and felt like she really was this bad girl um it, it was a it was a really uh, i felt very honored to have been um nominated and then to have won it yeah i felt proud of it
0: well, I always say, like, I won a couple of the same awards, but you don't, you really feel at disabled awards like you're winning it for the whole production, don't you? Because it is such a group yeah. thing. It, it's such a... Oh, my God. I mean, There's so much work goes into it from everyone. You're never kind of like, I won the award. It's kind of like, Emma Emmerdale won the award.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, this storyline was nothing if it wasn't, you know, with Matty Wilfington and Joe Warren and also um, Amy Walsh and Roxy and Fiona, you know, that all of us, we kind of had this this story together and that the culmination in the big night out and then all the repercussions from those episodes it was a huge team
0: effort and then I always think it must be amazing play because obviously what's quite unique about your character and you is you went in with this you know the purpose this story which you know not many people yeah. many people join and you know they, they go through a lot of stories there but it's kind of like you went there with a yeah. purpose to do that story which is quite amazing because it means you're you're always busy um, you're not yeah. ordering a pint in the pub. Do you know what I mean? For no, it, absolutely.
1: And we, um, I, I, I knew when I auditioned for the part. I knew where the character was going and what they wanted to do with that story. So he, what I was sort of getting myself involved in when I said yes to the job, and um, and it was a challenge and it was an exciting opportunity to play a character like that. I think you get to a certain age as a woman where the the roles can either dry up or at least be slightly less interesting so Sunny to be offered this this role that was meaty and controversial and wasn't straightforward it wasn't a simple she's not a simple baddie
0: no so um
1: so it was a really exciting part to get one's teeth into and really work on and explore
0: and you say that actually it's really interesting for listeners because I was trying to give them information they don't know and I think that's so true actually women actors in general I mean so many of my friend actors say this is kind of like women. men seem to act you know can do any whereas women go through this stage of either playing you're young and then there's like mm. a missing bit before you can play mum and nans somehow on absolutely
1: TV. absolutely and actually that is one thing that soaps do so brilliantly is is the kind of equal representation of women um obviously because you're 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 showing real life and therefore, obviously, you need a lot of women from all different ages and shapes and sizes and beauty and not beauty, you know, character, whatever it is. It um, soaps really give us as actresses opportunity to play more than just the mum, the wife, the girlfriend, the ingenue, or the, or like the best you said, friend. Or
0: just the bad person. Do you know what I mean there is so? Much or the bad thing. one you've exactly? Got your, you've got your Kim Tates, who are kind of archetypal soap bitches that are quite you know in a way quite caricature but then soap has become brilliant at bringing in people and quite unexpected I think the casting of you because I think they're very clever in casting people you know it's almost that preconception people have with people who might be you know a a criminal in some form they think they have a certain look Mm. obviously it's not true so I think Mm. um you
1: know as an actor where I when I went to drama school one of the things that we were taught very early on was you know don't judge your character go in and look at your character as to what they want, how they're going to get it, why they want it, and, and sort of just work on it very simply like that. And so, you know, when I was looking at, at, at the character of Mare, I was thinking, what what does she want? What she, what's she trying to do? And it's never as simple as just going, oh, she she's a baddie. She's no, a bad no, person. Of course, what she did it. was bad.
0: You, so you said they obviously told you beforehand. I mean, did you have... I mean, we all know that people take television very seriously. It's great to cover subjects like mm. this, but the, the audience can confuse um, the person with the character, especially in Soap, because it's on every day. So did you have kind of yeah. some reservations about playing such a powerful story that you knew would kind of get the public talking? and all You know what? Making, I never
1: uh, imagined, I suppose I was probably a bit naive in that I didn't realise quite how much people love and invest in these soaps, I suppose I did when I was younger, um, but I I, I haven't really watched a lot, sort of continuous soaps as as a sort of really committed audience member. And so I thought it was extraordinary and wonderful the way people invested in the stories and cared. And and I suppose when I took the job on, did I realise that it would be like that? Probably not. And I just thought, I want to take on this role. I think it's an important story to tell. And... I think that I trust Emma Dale. I trust the writers. I trust the producers, and I trust the people that I was working with. That they would tell it sensitively and honestly.
0: And also, I think you're right because um, Nathan Sussex is on this series of the podcast as well, and he said the same. Because actually, as a jo- you can't prethink now social media and everything like that. You know, you're an actor. And no. you, you take parts for for the parts and good parts. So it's it's a shame yeah. really that people, in a way that you know. You shouldn't ever have to think about that, really, because it's like you said, you trust everyone, but it's not about, you know, that, is it? It's, it's about the part and, and the good job.
1: Exactly. We're just actors that sort of want to work and you get offered an interesting job and of course you're going to take it. And, you know, the, the, the fans and the support around you, both positive and negative, is is a testament to the shows, I think, and how... Brilliant they are at telling these stories and how invested people become in watching them.
0: So she first appeared, she first appeared in 2018, introduced as the wife of Dr. Liam Cabinet, um, soon yeah. started a relationship with David Metcalf, obviously Matthew Wolfenden, and began yeah. to groom his stepson Jacob, sleeping with him mm-hmm. shortly after his 16th birthday. Um, I mean, obviously, Dave, Matthew's amazing to work with and and, um, yeah. and Warren Plant, obviously, as well, an amazing little actor. I mean, I, he's grown up so oh. much I was there. Just wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so how was it working? You know, you obviously all knew this story beforehand. I mean, I yeah. it's amazing working with actors who are so good and also so lovely because you must have had to form a really close bond knowing this story was coming up.
1: Absolutely. And actually, you know, Matthew and I have, have a lot in common in that, you know, we both, he at that point, he only had two children, but um, I just had my third at that point. But we, you know, we were both, we came from similar worlds in the real life. Um, he's a fantastic, brilliant actor who is so generous to work with. So I could really ask his help and ask his advice and, and, and he helped me a lot. And then, and we also had a real laugh,
0: which I think is really important. Yes, the laughs with Matthew on set are.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, he's amazing because he is such a brilliant comedy actor, but he's also. Yeah. could be heartbreaking as he's well. It's really
1: good. And there times got- that I would sit and watch him, and just kind of, you know, at the end of the scene, I just look at him and
0: say, "That was really good. You're brilliant." I know. <laughs> I I don't know why be- it's
1: sort of surprising because he's such a giggle. But I you
0: know, love that when you when you are acting with actors, and you just sit back and you're like, "Oh, wow. what?" I love is when people play it differently than you had in your head, and yeah, you know, it's amazing. But I mean, you've got kids, obviously. So again, it's it's a yeah. really strong story to take on, and obviously, we all yeah. know it kind of. Anything, you know, kissing or anything like that is quite embarrassing to do for television. So it must have been quite hard working with a young actor having to do such a storyline like that as well.
1: Of course it was, but it was it was sort of treated extremely sensitively. And it was. um, Joe Warren and I had a great relationship, very, very open where we could really talk about how you know comfortable with this not comfortable with this and I think sometimes you know sometimes the writers could write something that was a bit sort of simple and we would both go I don't think that's necessary I don't think we need to show that I think actually it's far more effective if we show less or if we you know the words say more as opposed to the action and that I mean, and again with the directors that we had and the producers that were sort of watching over us all we i think we all felt very protected and very looked after
0: and also what i love is that storyline as well was very slow burning you know it wasn't there to be a quick um sensationalist yeah. story it you was know, really slow which obviously as you know we know in real life that this is what you know people who, do, who groom anyone do it, sure. yeah so it's um for sure, we had
1: a lot of advice from places like Bernardo's and um, some other charities. So, so to sort of really to be honest about the portrayal of this story and of how it happens, and and I think the fact that they wanted to show that grooming isn't always sort of dirty old men and vulnerable young girls.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I it, think that, that, that's that it, what the shocking thing was yeah. wasn't it um, that it was yeah. a bit of doing it with a boy, and just that, like I said, the casting in it, it's not. Again, people have preconceptions, don't they, that these people, are, you know, would show signs or kind of evil on the outside. And actually, of course not. It's um, yeah. But deeper. also
1: there's, you know, there was a lot of attitude in that. and, you know, I think everyone involved in the story got messages that were like, oh, good on your lads, you know, an older woman, a younger boy of is course, lucky yeah, boy yeah. sort of thing. And and so they were very keen on, on showing the sort of side of it of going, no, this is really fundamentally wrong. Yes. And this is abuse and it might not, sort of look like it on the surface but for, for anyone who's watching who's in a similar situation this isn't right and and it's not it's not okay
0: I remember um a storyline on Emenda where Paddy uh, beat, mm. where, uh Aaron beat Paddy and well. you know, the, the, the final shot was just a shot outside of the house and you kind of didn't really even hear anything but you knew what was going on and it, it's so much yeah. of a terrifying. thing do you know what I mean so yeah. it's kind of what sure. soap is before the water change, you can't obviously show anything graphic, but in a way that's great because it leaves its great imagination, which is so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. And it's this sort of the 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 implication, it's what it's sort of suggesting that that is that that people then kind of can go off on their own imagination and, and imagine, you know.
0: And how is it joining? Obviously, I've been there as well as a director joining Emmerdale and you're like like you said, I wasn't a huge fan of Emmerdale beforehand, which I think probably mm. helped actually, because when I did EastEnders and I did my first mm. night shoot with all the cast, I was going, Oh my mm. God, there's Doc Cotton Pat." Yeah, hat. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't quite have that on Emmerdale, but obviously it's still very daunting, isn't it? Because there's not many shows that you know are in people's house no. every day. They're talked about, them on the front of the TV magazines every week. Um, yeah.
1: You? I mean, it was nerve wracking. Of course it was. It was really, um, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I've, I've done a lot of of filming but walking into a long-running show like like emmerdale where everybody knows each other it's so familiar i mean i got lost so many times at the beginning in all the warrens of all the different studios and all this sort of stuff i'm wandering around going i need to be in like the wall pack does anyone know how i get there (laughs) um And I remember, sort of, you know, the first time walking into the wallpack set and just going, "Wow, it looks just like it does on the telly." I know. I don't know know why I was so surprised. You're like, and it's real beer that they serve out of the caskets, and it's sort of,
0: which is quite mad when when you have to drink beer at two o'clock in the morning. It's like, oh my god! Exactly. I think the pub Um, set, the pub sets on the sofa, is always the one, isn't it? Just because it's the 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 kind of and it looks like it does on
1: the telly, and you're suddenly in it, and it's sort of. You know, it's part of the, the the reason why I love being an actor is you sort of get to play in grown-up-sized doll's houses or something like this. You know, you're sort of going into these wonderful little worlds that are built for you. And when they're recognisable worlds that you have seen on the telly, you've seen in the magazines or whatever, it's really fun.
0: And did you watch it a lot before you, as in when you got the job? Because there's several actors I've talked to, and I suppose it's different because mm. of the role you were going in for, but Nina Wadia on EastEnders, for instance, said she can't yeah. study the characters because... She had been told you know you need to hit the ground running with who you are and what who else is in the show and what the level of not level of acting but the level that's of really in. because you know some yeah. thoughts, some shows are very you know if you go in say to a, a soap and you really underplay everything you know it's not matching with everyone else so did you kind of yeah, over- that's did weird. you not have to do no, that in a way but not you know, really
1: because I was a character that was coming in that had no real connection to anyone else I think had I been a member of someone's family that was coming in. Then yes, I would have needed to do more. I did watch it um, once I got the job. I started to watch it. I started to get an idea of Matthew's character, of Joe Warren, of that sort of that side of the, the family. Um, but I didn't. I didn't feel the need to to do too much. And actually, I was lucky in a way because I I filmed a few scenes and then I had probably a month or two off before I came back. So oh, I had a, a nice. sort of very yeah. slow a slow start, which was nice.
0: Yeah, so you could kind of go, oh, my God, right, I've done that <laughs> now. Because everyone yeah, always, they exactly, always remember yeah. every moment of their first scene and every moment of their last scene. Um, yeah, you remember it, it. So, right, so I, off, I just do this little quiz that um, it, it just takes us through some of the storylines. And don't worry, you don't need to, most people forget uh, everything. But first question is, who yeah. was David dating when Mayor when appeared on the scene? He was dating
1: Amy Tracy.
0: Yes, Tracy, that's right. Yeah, yeah and I, I was going yeah, so to—I brought that question up because I—we actually we talked about it really. That the girl unit on Emmerdale is amazing, isn't it? I mean, you, oh my god! It's I so- mean,
1: those girls. We have—I mean, we have a WhatsApp group, and um, and the four of us when we were doing filming the Big Night Out, we had about four or five nights on the trot of night shoots, and so we would sort of finish at five in the morning and all go back to our respective rooms wherever we were staying, and sort of text each other going I'm confused about what I should be eating now is it dinner is it breakfast when are we sleeping and it was this wonderful girl camaraderie
0: yeah kept and actually, we've, we've kept never brought up night, sure. shoots, night shoots on this either and for people listening it is it's weird isn't it because you'll suddenly do the kind of a few days of night shoots and like you said it's so bizarre uh-huh. because you're in the middle of the night the first night and you are like you're a massive three-course dinner served at what would be lunch but it's yeah. like three in the morning <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it was also, I mean, it's really fun, the night shoots, because it becomes the only thing that you can think about. You know, it's often in the day, you're getting text messages, you know, still going on. Whereas in the night shoots, you turn up at five or six in the evening, and they're serving breakfast. So you're sort of having, I don't know, baked beans and fried egg. And then you go into makeup, and then it gets dark, and then it's sort of this this world that no one else is there apart from whoever's on your team
0: I always um, think it's probably a bit like theatre in terms of because it's like you're you're going against everyone else's day to day life aren't you you're yeah, great to work which yeah. I theatre must be mad for that because a way, lifestyle changes. Yeah.
1: I never forget once I was doing a night shoot on a different job it wasn't on Emma and we'd done a full-on night shoot we all were staying in a hotel on the Isle of Man together and I remember coming up coming back to the hotel at seven o'clock in the morning before we were going to go to bed and everyone going into the bar, into the breakfast room and ordering sort of vodkas and gin and tonics because we'd sort of had a full on night and we wanted a drink before we went to sleep. And I remember sort of, you know, the waiter in the breakfast time sort of looking at us Raising their eyebrows, going, Oh, these actors, you know, drinking already.
0: They're still a living drinking all night and they're still at it. (laughs) And that's another fact, isn't it? Because you can't, when you've done night shoes more than day shoes, actually, you've got a real buzz. So it's really hard to come home and just go to sleep as well.
1: Absolutely. It was all sort of extremely confusing for a few days. But again, because I was commuting it, there was times where I remember one day where I finished filming at about three in the morning. And I went back to the studio and I slept in my changing room, in my dressing room, sort of just on the floor on a little mattress for about an hour. I then took the first train back from Leeds back down to London. And I got home and I could take the kids to school in the morning. So I took the kids to school and then I slept all day. And then I went to pick the kids up from school, brought them home and then took the train back up to Leeds and filmed another night shoot. Oh, my
0: God. So it was sort of
1: living. It was really strange, but it was... um, you Know it, it was sustainable for a short amount of time, I couldn't have done it for, for much. Yeah, longer. I think
0: a lot of actors who've been in Glynis Barber, who I know well, who did it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it's sustainable for a while and it's fun, but then it's kind of like, oh my god, you you can't do it for two minutes, you could no, too long if no. you've got that distance, and especially if you've got a family as well. Because, um, yeah, so unless you move, a lot of people have obviously moved, made the move if they're there for years, yeah. So, who kidnapped her when the relationship was exposed? We've talked about them loads actually already.
1: Oh, the girls?
0: Yes. So it was obviously, yes. yeah, Tracy Layla and Priya. And I was going Tricky. to bring that up, obviously, which we've talked a tiny bit about, because that was one of the huge weeks that Emmerdale and Cory do later in the year. So again, yeah. it must have been so exciting being the main, you know, one of the main stories. Yeah, in really, really week And
1: sort of filming things like the promo video for it was like, I felt like I was on a pop video and sort of all the all the press around it. There was a real hype and they they sort of really hyped it up and deservedly so. Got a lot of really good praise for those episodes. I think they, they sort of... Um, they got a really good idea in in following these different stories that happened all on one night and then the flashback episodes and stuff. Yeah, it was um,
0: actually, yes, it was brilliant, actually, because Emmerdale's changed a lot. I think they all have over the years. When I was first there, you weren't allowed to do anything weird and wacky, really. I think we did the first weird episode, which was like a real-time episode on a Mm -hmm. roof that was like quite out there for the time. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember the flashbacks. It was great, and also, obviously, you're part of a story where everyone loves the comeuppance of a character like that, don't they? Yeah, so you know, exactly. You're gearing towards um, something. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, we got bit. I got to like have a big fight in the woods with a stunt coordinator and then I got thrown into a river in the middle of the night and you know as much as at the time three o'clock in the morning standing in an absolutely freezing cold river where I could see frogs jumping
0: around oh my god did you have (sighs) did you have the the kind of wetsuit on and stuff underneath
1: oh I had about five wetsuits on and yes everything but there was that moment when you know the first AD says right okay I think it's time for you to get in the water now Louisa and you sort of go, okay, <laughs> you okay psych yourself yeah. into this. And that moment I remember the feeling of the water going down my neck and it's like, it's going in.
0: <laughs> and obviously we know how long things take to film. So it's not like you're in there for five minutes. It's like a long no. time.
1: No. When, I mean, I'm sure you really when,
0: when you watch other dramas really? and you see big yeah. big stunts, you're like, oh my God, can you imagine what those people, uh, I mean, there's films exactly. where people are in the water the whole time. You just think, oh my
1: exactly. God. Exactly. Yeah
0: um so when that she left uh she obviously got sentenced to 12 months in prison she was released early and it was revealed she was pregnant and you came back again leaving the baby on david's doorstep so um what so how long afterwards was that when you came back to do that you know the end of that well
1: i mean that was that was really fun because actually i filmed that when i was still
0: oh okay right i see filming the
1: other stuff but it was top, top secret. Nobody knew. It was not on any call sheets. It, they'd taken it out of the scripts. We had a crew of um, the DOP was the, so the director of photography was operating the camera. There was one makeup, one costume. The I think the producer was the assistant director. You know, it was literally about five of us. I had to come into the studio when everyone else had finished and I got a phone call saying like, you can come in now. So-and-so's left the building. So nobody knew.
0: And um, what are you like with secrets? I mean, I'm rubbish. So I like, I, I did Barbara Windsor coming back to East End, uh, to Enders and that was all top secret and it was named something else. Oh my God. And when they told me I was doing it, I was like, oh no, this is horrendous because yeah. I've got to keep yeah. <laughs> it for months and I'm terrible.
1: <laughs> really funny. Um. I, yeah, I did keep, I sort of, I was a bit frightened of not keeping it a secret.
0: I think but you, like, if they had end got, you, got out, know, like they would have known it was me. And yeah, I they would have know known it was you. Yeah. It's like they started oh, yeah. putting people's names on every page of the script. So if you lost your script, it was, you oh, know, yeah, quite a bit. It was sold you. your
1: script, exactly.
0: Um, and then obviously, so what was the, you know, how did your family deal, you know, because it was a big story. It was really controversial. You know, did, did. Your family? Did you get kind of any abuse in the street or anything, or what was it kind of? I got
1: very little abuse. I I think it probably had. I been living in Leeds, things might have been a bit different. But in London, people don't come up to you quite as much. Um, I did have one situation where I was with my little son, who is now only three, but at the time probably was two, and I was in a shop, and some someone came up to me and went, "You are such a
0: bitch." Oh God.
1: And I was like, um, and I sort of looked, at and I went, "It's not real." Yeah. And I'm with my son, and he's just thinks some strange lady's come up to me and said something mean. Um, but literally, I think that was pretty much all. Most people, I've had a few of sort of slightly unattractive older men shouting at me, going, "Oh, I'm too old for you," and. Um, one, my response is usually it's not your age that is the problem here,
0: yes, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> trust me, the age is the last thing about you that, that you and I think as like. well, um, what we
0: said earlier, because the story was done so well. I mean, there was one story that wasn't done well on East Enders, which I won't say the actors involved really did argue against it because it was done quite badly and she got so much abuse in the street. Because I think if, if the story's not done right. well, it's very different, do you know what I mean? It's very, yeah. Um, yeah. It almost done like we were saying earlier, like that she was just being bad and with no emotional yeah. drama with it. But I think you got to see that Mayor was wrong, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, she wasn't, it's hard, isn't it? It's not quite
1: it? as you black know. and white, is it? It's not yes. quite as black and white as, you know, obviously what she did was wrong and it's, you know, absolutely what happened to her was the right thing. But there was some form of of understanding, or at least I tried to, creative character that that you had some sense of sympathy for that she was a very damaged woman
0: well I remember le- someone telling me very early on in my directing career that any any ba- you know anybody that does anything bad has to have a heart for people to understand that character in a way because everything comes from normally something in their past or whatever so you always need to give a character heart otherwise
1: exactly you know, I think that's so true yeah and you have to just sort of give it a little bit more dimension than sort of a, a, a pantomime baddie
0: Totally, yeah. Well, well, t- t- congratulations on that story, anyway, because it was I, I went there for a while, and it's one of the ones I would tune in for just because I thought it was really cleverly done, mm-hmm. and I was always, you know, it was I, I just think casting was amazing in it. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of just when you, you go, oh, that's a really clever decision casting someone like you. So it was great, yeah. and so yeah, oh, yeah, and it's great because <laughs> Matthew as well because it wasn't something that yeah. you know was in you know again choosing someone that you wouldn't expect to go through that story but um so moving on from emmerdale well actually no i'll ask you memorable moments because normally i do a memorable moment with you but obviously we didn't work together so who was you would say not the actors who would you say is your memorable character from emmerdale who's your like my favorite character ever was edna um did you have a memorable favorite character while you were there i just love that character i mean i love roxy's character as well actually
1: Roxy's character was fabulous. I loved Amy Walsh's character, Tracy. I thought she was yes. fantastic.
0: Memorable set?
1: Memorable set. I loved the shop. I mean, I spent a lot of time in the shop. But was I the loved shop it. in the studio
0: when you were there, or was it still in the village?
1: No, it was in the studio. Oh,
0: it was in the studio. It used to be in the yeah, village. It used to in... constantly get yeah. cold. Amazing. yeah.
1: No, now it's lovely and it's bigger and, and, it, all this, and we could eat all the food that was out on the counter, so it was always nice oh, olives thing. and... Yeah, it was I really love working in the and shop. And did
0: you ever hear the story from Roxy that they filmed in the in the shop when it was in the village once? And she thought she was out of shot and she turned and just faced the back yes. shelves. <laughs> and they kept it in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> one of my favourite stories that she just stood staring at the back shelf. Um and memorable scene. I, I mean the one particular that. scene that kind of you just remember being kind of you know, kind of that you'll remember.
1: I I mean I'll remember the whole sort of seat series that the whole episode of the big night out and then the the subsequent flashbacks in the the night shoots we had um, we had one night where I was hiding in a barn and there was a, a moment where there was a barn owl that had to fly out and scare the three oh, wow. girls and there was and there was a real barn owl and there was an owl handler, and I remember spending hours like holding this owl and talking. Oh, wow. The owl handler was telling me about it, you know, things just little things like that that you just go, What
0: an extraordinary I didn't you experience! That I'm get trained owl for telly,
1: yeah. Trust me, this owl's got a bigger CV than anyone else on that show. It, I think it was like in Harry Potter and all seven oh, Harry wow. Potters. It was, yeah, it was I had a special, a special owl. i had tell you. a lot of dogs
0: on so that never did what they were supposed to do. Um, no. Always a nightmare. The kids were always actually great, but the dogs I yeah. always have were awful. Yeah. So we'll talk about you. So you're um so obviously there's so much we could talk about. So I've picked certain things. Now what I didn't realize was yeah. your sister is kind of a yeah. well-famous uh, is it cellist? It's cell. Chellist. Cellist,
1: yeah, she is Natalie yeah. klein
0: Um That's right. and you are an accomplished uh, no, I can't. Viola remember. player, yeah, viola player, and have toured professionally as yeah. well. So I mean, what yeah. an amazing, what an amazing uh, family. I mean, was it? Was there conflict yeah, I mean, growing both, up between you well, both?
1: My mum is a musician. Yeah, my mum is a violinist.
0: Oh wow! Um,
1: so we were always brought up with music, um, and we played instruments from a very young age. It was very obvious from a very young age that my sister was going to be a real talent. She was really um, she won wonderful and, and year, dedicated. She did. She won BBC Young Musician of the Year and then she was actually the first person to ever win, the the first British person to win Eurovision Young Musician of the Year.
0: Oh, wow. It's just amazing you had such yeah. a creative, I suppose, because again, I always think when you're in the regions, you don't have access to as much as, you know, growing up in London. So it's amazing that both, but I suppose your yeah. mum was... Was in
1: the music. My mum, you know, my mum is from Holland, my mum is from Amsterdam. And so we used to my mum used to drive my sister up to London every week for cello lessons and sort of orchestras and stuff like that. And um my dad is a very passionate musician as well, amateur, but um has a huge love for it. So it was a huge part of our childhood, huge part of our growing up and encouraged and supported.
0: So was it a, a, was it a tough decision for you to choose between music and, and acting or was kind of acting... No, orchestra? I wasn't.
1: I was never going to be good enough to be a sort of soloist. And I think my nature is such that I, I didn't necessarily want to sit in an orchestra. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> I want to be the star.
1: <laughs> yes, I want to be on the stage. Um, yeah. I think it was also... I think also I I, I always loved... Acting, I always loved performing. I think there's a story from when I was very, very little, sort of primary school, standing on the stage, and my grandpa um saw me and sort of looked at my mum and said, "She is going to go on the stage this one."
0: Oh wow! <laughs> so oh, that... I think
1: from a very early
0: age, it was. It was it there. Was
1: written in my yeah, it was written in my future.
0: Well, bizarrely, doing this podcast now, I used to do my own radio show just with my stereo out the window for the neighbours. I mean, it must have driven mad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. wonderful I
1: I see this in my kids now like doing stuff and you just think I wonder where that's going to take them in the future
0: I mean it's great you probably had a parent who who had done that as well because obviously a lot of uh, people growing up don't have that support because it's as we know like I always when I do acting classes say you know it is very tough it's not easy Um, oh my
1: god I mean it's such a difficult profession and it's painful and it's you know the 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 highs are unbelievable. And when the jobs work out, it is the best job in the world. But I always think that the the downsides of the job and the agonies of the rejection and the frustrations of the lack of opportunities, that's the payoff for the good bits when you no, do yeah. get to work with the best people and you get to play and you get to travel and you get to really work hard
0: and I think it's one of those careers, again, which I haven't really spoken about on this, this the, as an actor, to, to be successful, I suppose, in the United States, or to earn lots of money, you also mm. do get the fame and you become more famous. But that doesn't necessarily mm. make it better. Do you know what I mean? Because actually, the more famous you get, the harder it is to do normal things. It's a very weird profession like that, because. It's
1: a very weird profession. And actually, you know, the people that I know from, from all the jobs I've worked on throughout my career, most of us, I'd say, ninety-nine point nine percent of those people, just want to work and want to do really good work. And the fame side of things and the celebrity side of things is so
0: periphery. It's a side of and actually, it's,
1: it's a side, and it's quite intimidating in a way. And it, it, it's sort of it's a byproduct, and it's an important byproduct because you know I'm under no illusions. It gives you opportunities, and yes. it gives you um, a platform and. And it gives you the chance to maybe choose things that maybe you wouldn't have necessarily had the choice to have had you well, enough, had well, that I, profile.
0: You know, we talked about it's a sin just before we started recording. Yeah. Well, actually, about that though, it wasn't full of recognizable people, and I love still no. dramas. You know, it's it's the script, and it's you know, it's not on casting lots of recognizable names because it's great to find new talent, which is, doesn't happen often now none on shows. Yeah.
1: And, you know, with that show, especially, you sort of, I fell in love with all those characters and I invested my heart in them all, which made the whole thing a million times more
0: painful and
1: beautiful and just utterly... Of
0: course, Hawes is in it, who is one of my favourite people on earth. Um, She's...
1: She's fantastic,
0: in it, Yeah, she's stunning, isn't she? So, um, but your first huge oh. break, so' yeah, you which I didn't realize again, you did. You were in for six years, uh, playing his daughter yeah. in Judge John uh, D. He's playing Charlie D. Judge D. John so, D. What a great exactly. show! I mean, amazing, a massive show to go into, and a, you know, so you've you've done a really long-running series. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because it was the first job I got after I left drama school. You know, I really did learn on the job. I learned from the greatest out there with, you know, they had some incredible actors come into yeah, that show. Martin, and obviously sure as well, obviously, with thanks. Martin and Jenny. Exactly. But also, you know, Sir Donald Sinden and Chris Kasnov oh, wow. and Simon Ward and, you know, these amazing people. Um, so it, that was a real sort of apprenticeship. It was the next next stage of my studies I really feel and I didn't realize in a way how lucky I was at the time I sort of left drama school and I went straight into this and I worked hard but I sort of I look back at that time and I I sort of think gosh if, if I had that now how would I would I would I have done things differently how would I how would I do it now I think yeah, it's so good
0: to have that though when you were you're oblivious in a way I mean I think I was the same in a way so there's a
1: naivety of youth isn't it and yeah. it's quite arrogant for youth.
0: and you yeah. kind of don't realize until now how lucky we were you know I worked on a travel show the BBC holiday program as my first directing job and traveled Did the you? it was oh incredible but <sighs> I didn't really take yeah. it in but um yeah you know it's I think that's quite nice because again so we were talking about fame because uh, not, well not fame as well being an actor because obviously being in that for six years it must I've spoken to a few actors who obviously you're in something like that and then it stops and then it must be quite hard coming not not the fame thing but having that really kind of s- secure job and then going back to being with another yeah. well there's this
1: phrase isn't there you're only as good as your last job and suddenly you know the work stops and you're back I was working in a pub for a while. I was working um, as a runner behind the scenes on a politics show, um, you know. So I sort of went back to the day job, and and so throughout my twenties, when I would be filming Judge John Deed for some of the year, I was very lucky. There would be times when I would then go and do some theatre in between, and then there was times when there was no work, and I would go back to back to the pub, back to you know whatever money job think, as I call it I and scared. I think
0: unfortunately that's a bad state of our country as well that the newspapers you know pick up on people doing that and uh do it oh it makes me so angry thing, which is so I know you know like it's what is wrong with being a builder you know it's kind of like it's so like they've totally failed which is yeah something yeah. I think might have changed slightly after Caroline Flack uh but I spoke to a couple of lads. Do you? I think,
1: I think the people are still so cruel. And I think well, they are,
0: cruel. yeah. I mean, the The because who was in EastEnders, who was in the sun not long ago mm. for being a builder, how life is so dreadful for him. And it's like, yes, yeah, just awful. It's just an awful um, message to put across. And also awful. Yeah. For that person being in the sun for that, because the press can really destroy people. So, yeah, it's a really. Um, yeah you know and really demeaning to anyone who is doing a, a, a normal job you know what most of the exactly and
1: actually this guy is, is is got an incredible work ethic who wants to get out there and go and earn some money and exactly. do what he needs to do there was an interesting article with um what's her name, anna jane casey do you know who she is she's a yes. theater actress uh, yeah, yeah who was doing amazon deliveries um you know as an amazon driver and 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 sort of saying, you know, I've got a family to support, I need to work and I haven't been in the theatre now for a year and this is what we need to do.
0: Which is absolutely fine and good. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's just really important for younger listeners anyway, to realise, I always say, what a hard job it is. And basically you need to be in it for the job and not the fame. That's the main thing because our society kind of yeah. puts fame on a pedestal for not doing anything. Um, yeah. And unfortunately they earn loads of money. So of course people aspire to be an influencer and... You know, but that's not going to last. But it's
1: transient and it's, I don't know, is it fulfilling? You get free stuff and you get holidays and everyone sort of writes. I've always believed if if you kind of put yourself out there into the public eye and put your life out there, then you're... For, for positive things, if you want it for, you know, affirmation of how you look or free things or whatever, then you also have to accept that the, the negative's thing. gonna
0: come. Yeah, the and bad's gonna come you're too. You're going, gonna to have that for a while and then you're gonna it's gonna crush you more when it goes, especially if you're younger. So
1: yeah.
0: it's a hard thing, but yeah, so yeah. as you said, you've done lots of theatre for being in New York, New York, and also I have to ask yeah. you, also you toured with Lee Mead, who I love. You did the Railway Children at Water. was it Waterloo? Oh my yeah. goodness,
1: yeah. yes. Oh, that was such an extraordinary job. That was so they built a they they had the the it was the disused old Eurostar terminal, and they built a theatre set around the train track. We had five hundred seats on either side of the train track, so it was a thousand seat theatre.
0: Wow! And
1: um, the design of that show was unreal because they had sort of um, a stage on either side on the train tracks, and then they had wooden carts that went that went on the train tracks that could be moved so you could cross the train track on a movable sort of track movable sheet yeah it's quite difficult to explain um and it was an incredibly fast-paced story the way they told it with culminating at the end of the first half with a real train old steam train coming in and that very iconic scene of the children waving their red knickers to stop the train. And it was so exciting. And it was, um, we did that. I did that in 2010. I think it was for about eight months. It was a really sort of very long, hard job, but brilliant. And then actually I came back and I went back and did it when it moved to King's cross where they built a set in King's Cross and I did it again in about 2000 and when was that probably 15 or
0: 16. Oh, that's fantastic. And what do you prefer? Do you prefer, you know, theatre to telly or the other way round or do you you like both? It's
1: so difficult to say when I've done a lot of telly, I really crave doing some theatre. And when I've sort of been in the theatre for a long time, I really fancy doing a bit of telly. there's such different ways of working and yeah. they are such um you know it's a it's each each discipline requires very different parts of your brain and physicality and everything like that and i i really love them both i have to say theater is what inspired me in the first place when i was little it, there is nothing that you can compare to standing on a stage and the whole Experience of being in a theatre, and I
0: have I, to say,
1: you know, in this last year, I miss it so much.
0: Oh, I think yeah, I um, think everyone does watching it and being yeah. in it. And um, I've always exactly. asked actually, what's it like? I suppose the you know the big differences for me are a you get immediate feedback in the theatre, you know what's working, you know what's yeah. changed performance. But what's it like doing the same show every night? That's why I always think, oh my good because tell you, obviously do it, you know, however many takes yeah. it's done. Is it hard, like doing a long run of a play? Yeah, pace? it's really
1: hard. Yeah. But what's quite good is that if you don't do it, if it doesn't work one night, you go, okay, I'll try something different tomorrow night, and yeah, you can play, absolutely. and you yeah. can, you know, you keeping it fresh. But then, you know, when we were doing the Railway Children, it was probably the longest run I've ever done. Keeping it fresh was difficult, and sometimes you did zone out, and there'd be times when you'd be sort of standing in front of a thousand people and you'd be thinking about what you're going to have for dinner tonight and think oh my god (laughs) have I actually said that line out loud or has it just been in my head and it's quite scary and of course there's you know times when we got terrible giggles and yeah of course you lose you lose the sense of of it sort of live in front of a thousand people and you're having a right laugh on stage and suddenly you're like oh my god like Get a grip! What are you doing?
0: I mean, at least on television sets. I mean, I still love when people, you know, go wrong and then the lines coming up again and everyone break. I mean, I find nothing ever. But um, I I mean,
1: I did get known on Emmerdale for getting terrible giggles, and when I get the giggles, I go
0: yes, like there's no saving me, and I cry. Yes, I I end end up sobbing almost.
1: Yeah. And then I do remember like sometimes in the night shoots again when I was really tired as well. And those sort of moments when could I, when I got the giggles and then the, the others would say, oh, no, she's gone. And then they knew that they had to like make up would have to come in because all the tears would start rolling. And, you know, I was a bit of a liability with the giggles.
0: Uh, then uh, well, uh, Charlie Webb always said she used to pinch herself so hard to try to make something hurt, so she didn't stop. So she didn't, yeah. <laughs> yeah so she didn't go again. But it's because the it gets earlier and earlier, doesn't it? That if a line oh, the giggles start, uh, you irritating. know it's
1: coming, and you know you mustn't laugh. And of course, when you're and you know you mustn't laugh. That just becomes really it makes
0: funny. Worse. I used to sit in the gallery, so I got away with laughing. But uh, as a director, obviously <laughs> the worst thing to do, you're supposed to be getting really annoyed, and I never could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've also done, the White Love you've done, Holby City Doctors Casualty, bit of a running theme there with the uh, yeah, yeah. hospital thing.
1: My dad's a doctor and I think he always hoped I'd be a doctor. And so, I, you know, the next best thing was doing all the medical dramas. Yeah, and, that's
0: kind of pleasing. Did you have to? <laughs> yeah. did you have parts where you had to say all the, you know, weird and wonderful terms?
1: Yeah, yeah. No idea what I was saying.
0: No idea. No, I know. You could have no, anything no, a as a writer, couldn't you? And uh, you would yeah.
1: end- Actually, I remember a piece of advice that Sir Donald Sinden gave me what once asking him when we were doing Judged on Deed, And I said, Oh, you know, Sir Donald, what do you think this means? And he just said to me, darling, if I don't know what it means, I just say it louder and quicker.
0: <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I was like,
1: oh, oh, okay. So, you know, young, naive me sort of went, Oh right, okay, um, thanks very much.
0: That's very nice. <laughs> <good, right. laughs> and yeah. did you do did you do any of the operation? I did Holby City and you know, the prosthetic operations, which actually looked so gruesome and real? It's yeah, uh, it's very so weird. I
1: had one I think it was my first ever Holby where I was a drug addict and I had an abscess and I died on the operating table because like the, a vein burst or something. And there was an enormous amount of blood. And I remember lying on the bed and there was someone sitting underneath the bed, blowing blood out of a straw (laughs) through the whole sort of prosthetic mechanism of this abscess. Um, so that was amazing. <laughs> they are they are so brilliant.
0: Also speaking to the experts. I remember we did a brain operation and the expert was obviously like this is television because she said I think the longest operation she'd done was like 13 hours I think. You know and it's really wow. oh my god. It makes you feel really wow. bad about in telly. You're like oh my god I exactly don't like, I don't mean like people like you cuz you make me feel like we <laughs> but listen it's been there's so much work to talk about it's been amazing oh it's so
1: nice to chat to you thank
0: you so much for coming in and good luck with everything you do and obviously hopefully we will meet in person
1: absolutely I would love to thank you so much for having me on the show thank you
0: so much Louisa
1: take care (laughs) you too
0: Thank you so much to Louisa Klein for being a guest on Soap From The Box. Remember, there are two episodes every single Sunday this season of the podcast. The other one this week is with the legend of Hollyoaks, Ashley Taylor Dawson. It's a brilliant chat, so please make sure you listen to that. Thank you as usual to David Stevens and the Bothy for their edit and technical wizardry and to Ian McCallum for all of his press help. Have a safe week, have a good week and I will see you next week. And remember to catch up with me all week on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Soap from the Box.